step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Horses. That means it's time for another episode of Getting Over the Wrestling Podcast with myself, Tom Canterbury, and Paul Pedram. This is episode number two of the podcast, and we appreciate you coming back to listening to us here on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, as we heard on episode number one, this is going to be the first episode that we have that we're going to follow our format of the uh, social studies class of wrestling that this will basically be uh, each myself. Tom Canterbury and Paul Padron, we're going to bring in a current event and a historical event, a flashback um, that we've been watching on the WWE Network or or anything that we can get our hands on to talk about it, review it, and then to uh, give it some historical uh, reference, and then we'll bring in a current event as well. So I mentioned I'm Tom Canterbury, bringing in my partner, who hopefully one day will be in the studio with me, but as we continue to socially distance, he's on the phone, Paul Padron. Paul, how are you? Good. I'm ready to talk some wrestling. Absolutely. As we uh, we talked about it in our first episode, uh, I think at this point, uh, the the most unique part about wrestling and why we're both big fans of it and uh, what it's been able to do during this time, obviously, it's not the same. We understand it's not the same when fans are not in the stands and uh, it's it's you know a purely TV product at this point. But if you look at it and put it within the industry as a whole, the entire entertainment industry. Uh, sports entertainment, pro wrestling, one of the few, if not the only form of entertainment that has been putting out a weekly um, live, if not live to tape, but a, a weekly current event program uh, that it, throughout this entire pandemic, when everything else has been shut down, we know Monday night we're going to have Raw, Tuesday night we're going to have Impact, Wednesday we got AEW and NXT, Friday we got SmackDown, we got pay-per-views on the weekend, Pro wrestling has continued to move on, and I think you got to give everybody a lot of credit for that. Yeah, and we can nitpick on what's good and what's bad, but like you said, it's it's there for us to consume, and and uh, you know there's so many things out there right now that are not going on and not happening. So it, it is good to have that available to us and for us to uh, to view it and and to and, and to enjoy it. So as we continue on, what is the actual format of the podcast? We'll start off with what our uh, network flashback of the podcast of episode number two is. And for me, I'm going to take a look back at the WWF Survivor Series. This happened in 1996, November 17th, 1996. The world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden in New York, New York. This is an event that is known for, uh, there's been three or four pretty big um, debuts within the company. 
dating back to 1991. You had the debut of The Undertaker here at Survivor Series. It's a big event for that type of thing. And then we have some major, major matches as well. But we'll start things off. The first event of this pay-per-view was in a Survivor Series traditional elimination tag team match. Making their debut in the WWF was Doug Furness and Philip LaFon. And they teamed up with the Godwins. And they defeated Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, who were the tag team champions at the time as well as the new Rockers, which was Marty Jannetty uh, playing a very nerdy character with an even nerdier Leaf Cassidy, who was Al Snow <clears throat> before he went back to ECW, uh, found his legs as Al Snow before returning to the WWF. And um, Furnace and Fawn, they were kind of a tag team where I think they would have really fit in well today, uh, had really good in-ring ability, not a whole lot of character development there. Doug Furnace had had, some, had a run in WCW as a single before he met up with LaFon, did some stuff in Japan, did some stuff in ECW, made the debut in the WWF. They had a good run in WWF, uh, or a decent run, I should say, but just never really were able to find their footing because they didn't have a whole lot of character development. Yeah, and it was a good match, and uh, like you said, they, they both uh, brought a lot of in-ring action uh, that was, uh, like you said, ahead of its time, and, and the, again, the match itself was, was good. Uh, the the, the suplex at the end uh, that um, either Furnace or Wolfong gave to Owen Hart was um, something to see. So go back and watch that uh, bump that that ended the match uh, and led their team to a victory. But uh, but yeah, they uh, had a good debut and um, and good good opener to start off with. Yeah, a pretty big debut to come in without a whole lot of fanfare, but got that debut win by uh, eliminating the tag team champions to finish things off in that one. So there was a win there for Furnace and LaFon. The next next matchup, a little bit early in the card for it, but it was The Undertaker against Mankind with Paul Bearer in a cage. This is just a month after the Bearer to Live pay-per-view, which saw The Undertaker, or excuse me, saw Paul Bearer turn on The Undertaker, get buried alive with the help of an, The Executioner and Mankind. Uh, and this was really a match where you started to see uh, the WWF move uh, a little bit more toward the theatrical, especially with The Undertaker. You know, he comes descending down from the heavens, um, from the rafters, wearing all black. He kind of moves a little bit away from the cartoonish mortician Undertaker to uh, the guy that wears all black. He's, you know, he's got the, the teardrop um, tattoo on his face. Um, th- this is really The Undertaker that would eventually morph into the evil Undertaker before he became the Mar- American badass. And um, really, like I said, a, a more theatrical presentation. Uh, but then once they got in the ring, another, as you would expect with these two guys, a just a, a vicious, brutal matchup, which saw Undertaker get the victory over Mankind. He is supposed to get his hands on Paul Bear after that, but then the executioner gets involved, and uh, that gets delayed a little bit longer. But um, no surprise there, a vicious matchup between Taker and Mick Foley as Mankind. Yeah, and they always had great chemistry in the ring. Um, and, you know, uh, several matches before this and, and after as well. They they always did well and and had good chemistry. And um, you know, this was uh, uh, this was um, you know just a uh, evolution, like you mentioned, the evolution of the Undertaker, but also uh, the evolution of, of mankind's character, and, and that will be fleshed out, you know, over time as we go along too. But yeah, definitely another. Uh, uh, one of their still on matches. And Paul, uh, Jim Ross, as the you know d- director of personnel, basically at the time of the WWF, 
he brought in Mick Foley specifically to uh, feud with The Undertaker, even though Vince wasn't really that much on board with it. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's correct. And, uh, you know, I think JR was so confident that he would do well, and, and he turned out to be to be right on that one. And I think Vince uh, quickly learned the the uh, the valuable nature of, of Mick Foley and what he brought to the table. So uh, that was um, something that um, we as wrestling fans should be thankful for to be able to to uh, experience that and 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 what he did uh, during that time frame. The next matchup was another uh, traditional Survivor Series elimination tag match, and this one saw, excuse me, uh, Mark Marrow along with Barry Windham, the Stalker, Jake the Snake Roberts as a surprise uh, tag team uh, member in this matchup, and a debuting kid by the name of Rocky Maivia, the first ever third generation star in the WWF. Yeah, I, I think he's he he, t- he did some good stuff eventually. You know, some people know who he is. Uh, Rocky Maivia <laughs> making his uh, debut there, and they defeated Crush, Jerry the King Lawler, Goldust, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley in an elimination tag match. Rocky Maivia actually the sole survivor in this matchup, and obviously he became the Rock. He wasn't the Rock yet here. Uh, he was very green, but my gosh, he, you could already see the athleticism, the ability that he had there. Uh, he was put over big time by the uh, by the announce crew, and uh, rightfully so. This was, you know, it, he had to go through a lot of different iterations before he found his voice. Uh, it the fact that before this match, somebody grabbed the microphone and talked. It wasn't The Rock; it was Mark Marrow, for goodness sakes. Uh, but after after all that happened. Uh, man, you could really see that the Rock had something in there. Yeah, it was a glimpse to the uh, into the future and a glimpse uh, in the past as well with with Snuka and and Roberts as well. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, the Rock and and Triple H and uh, and uh, even Sable uh, would turn out to be huge stars for the company going forward and, and help them overcome that deficit, which was WCW at the time because they were in second place um, at this point in time i believe after the uh the nwo um debuted once before this so uh this would lay the foundation for what's to come for sure and speaking of which that brings us to the next matchup which is really the one i think if you if you were only able to watch one match of this entire pay-per-view this is the match to watch the number one contender contenders match between brett hitman hart and stone cold steve austin brett hart had been away from the company he'd, he'd been off uh, rehabbing some injuries. He'd been gone for about six months, which was the most extended period of time I can remember him being gone from the company ever as a, as a main event type player with the WWF. But Bret Hart was back and he takes on Stone Cold Steve Austin coming off of Stone Cold winning the, uh, the King of the Ring that summer, giving the Austin 316 promo. He's still a heel at this point, but the fans were want, really wanting to cheer him. Uh, you could tell Overall, the fan base, with what we we end up seeing with what's going on the next few months with Rocky Maivia, especially, you can tell the fan base is ready for the Attitude Era. The fan base wants to cheer the attitudinal bad guys, um, and and Stone Cold had a, a good uh, cheering section for this matchup, and he and Bret Hart put on a really good matchup. It the uh, it it's it has aspects of brawls, it has aspects of technical prowess. They, they come in the ring, they're out of the ring. It was a really good match, and it really showcases how Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, before the neck injury, was really one of the best technical wrestlers there was out there. 
And, but it, it's 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 interesting when you look at Stone Cold's career. He he was most popular when he wasn't able to wrestle as well as he could during this time period. Yeah, this this was an excellent match, and everybody talks about the the match uh, at the the next uh, WrestleMania between him and, and Hart, uh, where that there was that double turn. But uh, do not sleep on this match. Um, go out of your way to watch this match. It was it was excellent. Like you mentioned, the combination of brawling in the in the ring, outside the ring, uh, submissions, technical wrestling, and and they they both uh, did a fantastic job and um, set the stage for was to come uh, here in the, in the next few months for sure. And, Paul, there was something that was mentioned by the announcers before this match started, which kind of gave you a, a, a glimpse that maybe they even knew where they were going for WrestleMania even five, six months earlier during this match. Yeah, they, they, they mentioned at the beginning that neither uh, uh, Hart or Austin had, uh, had submitted in a match uh, up until now, and – it was a little bit random for them to say that, uh, but they were setting the stage for that story to be told as we went along. And not and, and for that match and for the match at Mania, which was, um, you know, a, a submission match. So uh, they, they they did a good job, and I think they knew where they were going at that time. So they did a good job of setting that, setting that foundation and, and setting the stage for, for, uh, for those two. And that may be something that because there is so much content and so many different shows they have to put out now that you might miss a little bit of that now that you're still able to do back in the 90s, having that long of a storyline arc between Austin and Hart. Definitely. Yeah, but that was... An- With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Excellent match, but Bret Hart ends up getting the win there, setting up so he gets the title match at the next pay-per-view against the winner of the uh, main event that's coming up here momentarily, which we'll get to for the WWF title. But before then, we had one of the first times and maybe the only time I've ever seen it in a Survivor Series elimination tag match, a double disqualification as we saw Farouk, who had uh, started to break away, finally got rid of the uh, the helmet and, and the light blue, neon blue outfit, and he's starting to break up the Nation of Domination. He's actually wrapped to the ring by PG-13 and uh, the early incarnation of the Nation of Domination. They come down along with Vader and uh, JR's version of Razor Ramon and Diesel. You might recognize the fake Diesel as uh, the current mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, and uh, future WWF Hall of Famer Kane as uh, Glenn Jacobs. He was the fake Diesel for a few few months there. And uh, some guy I don't even know who was Razor Ramon. Um, that was Rick Bogner. Yeah. Uh, that was um, the famous, the infamous yes. Rick Bogner. Uh, so... Uh, this that 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 whole it was a very ill-conceived storyline of having a heel Jim Ross uh, bring in two guys as Razor Ramon and Diesel. First of all, they tried to make it sound as though it was actually going to be Scott Hall and Kevin Nash coming back. It wasn't, and the fans never liked it. it. It didn't go over well. It was it was not not good overall in general. Terrible. Yeah, just not good. Yeah, terrible. And and this actual this match, oddly enough, was kind of built toward trying to showcase these two guys and it just was not did not go over 
as well. As a, again, a double disqualification. The other team was Savio Vega, Yokozuna, who was in a, uh, a face run uh, taking on Vader, who was uh, Jim Carnett had switched over from uh, Yokozuna to Vader when Vader came in. Um, you also in this match, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, which is a you know a, a, a nod to the fans at MSG Snuka, big biggest star there at Madison Square Garden, and then a debuting Flash Funk coming over from ECW to Cold Scorpio, kind of the 1990s version of Ricochet, uh, but never quite had the run in WWF that I think he was capable of because he's kind of stuck in a bad gimmick there with you know the dancing Flash Funk, joined the Job Squad later on, uh, but not. Didn't really get the run that he should have gotten, and here this matchup just ended in a in a schmoz, the double disqualification. And if you're watching this this pay per view, this is probably one you can just kind of skip past. Yeah, very very skippable hodgepodge of, of, of wrestling. So yeah, you can probably fast forward through that one. Yeah, and unless you're just really wanting to see what the fake Razor Ramon and fake Diesel look like, that's pretty much all the. the that's just yeah, kind of one of those things. That's to, true. Yeah, kind of a. Just a, a, a chance to see that. That's all you get out of that one. But that brings us to the uh, world title matchup, the WWF Championship, as the reigning and defending champion, Shawn Michaels, still living the boyhood dream that he uh, won from Bret Hart at WrestleMania earlier in the year, uh, taking on his sometimes friend, sometimes foe, but always psycho, Psycho Sid. And uh, this is a matchup because Shawn always worked well with – bigger guys the match itself is pretty good um you know sean still being the the smiley baby face you know kids dressed like him in the dressed up like him in the in the stands um they were really trying to still push him as a baby face but he's just at this time such a natural heel he's he's kind of fighting against that um and then the match itself is good but then you have quite the convoluted ending to the match yeah, for sure. Um, as you mentioned, uh, the, the match was was really decent, actually, and, mm-hmm. and of course, a lot of that can be uh, attributed to to Shawn Michaels as uh, he's such a good worker. But uh, Sid held held off his end and uh, did a nip up, um, which I was impressed by. And um, again, had a had a really good match. And but like you said, the the finish was one of those uh, Pat Patterson specials, probably if I had to guess. And yeah. um, most of those are really good. Uh, a lot of the time, but this one was a little convoluted uh, for my taste, and I'm not sure if it, it worked completely. But uh, but it, it did lead to um, Sid uh, getting that championship. Yeah, so Sid wins the uh, wins the championship, and he's kind of a transitional championship because they didn't want to do Michaels against Hart again. Uh, they, I think they really wanted to keep Bret Hart with Stone Cold, uh, so they didn't want to have the the rematch with Hart and uh, and Michaels at the next pay-per-view, so they give the title to Sid here. Convoluted finish, which included Sid hitting Jose Lothario with a camera when he had an opportunity to hit Sean with it, so he hits Lothario with it, and then when Sean goes out to check on Lothario because he looks like he's having a heart attack, he then hits Sean with the uh, with the camera then, uh, throws Sean back in, gets the win, uh, but then everyone's worried about Lothario, and Sean doesn't even care that he's just lost the title, so it kind of takes away from Sid you know, really, you know, celebrating his championship, um, not really getting the due that he that he probably deserved of, as winning the WWF title. Uh, so, and then again, moving on to uh, to bigger and better things as as the that was kind of toward the that I think that kind of signaled the end of the Shawn Michaels really babyface run because 
ultimately he kind of leaves Lothario's side, and we get into 1997, and we get the DX. And he, he lost his smile, right? He uh, lo- Yeah, he loses uh, his smile. After. Yeah, he loses his smile. Uh, he has a, an ill-fated run with Dean Douglas, um, and then really oh – goodness, I forgot about that. Right, and then a, literally almost a year later to the day – it's back at Survivor Series and it's a Montreal screw job. So it's amazing how much happens in 1996 and 1997 uh, in in the career of Shawn Michaels, especially. And it really starts with losing the title here at Survivor Series 1996. But overall, this is a, a good pay per view. Uh, if you're perusing a 1990s, mid 90s esque ma- uh, pay per view to watch, this is probably a pretty good one from the WWF. So I'd give this probably if we were doing you know ratings eight or nine out of t- or seven or eight out of ten probably it's, it's a good yeah I'll, it's a good matchup there's there's a couple matches you can kind of skip through but especially the austin Hart match is really good to watch yeah and like you said mid-90s for wwf uh, you um may not get always yeah. a good pay-per-view so, <laughs> but this was one of the one of the better ones for sure lots of uh, hit or miss and there's a lot of misses this time but this is actually a really good one uh, so that that's my uh, rundown of 1996 Survivor Series for my network flashback. Paul, what is your network flashback here for episode number two of the Getting Over podcast? So we're going back to July 17th of 2011, and this is the uh, second annual Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Uh, this was held in Chicago, Illinois at the same Allstate Arena, and this was headlined by CM Punk versus John Cena. And, of course, this was the, uh, the match that um, – a lot of people know because of uh, the, the pipe bomb promo that CM Punk delivered on Raw back on June 27th. I would go back and, and watch that. It's a extremely famous promo and kind of breaks that fourth wall and, and uh, sets the stage for CM Punk uh, to uh, to challenge for that championship uh, versus uh, John Cena. But um, we start out uh, with a Money in the Bank ladder match, and this was for the um, for in SmackDown those competitors. And so there was eight total, and they are Sin Cara, Wade Barrett, Justin Gabriel, Sheamus, Cody Rhodes, Heath Slater, Daniel Bryan, and Kane. Uh, this was a uh, a very good match. Um, I will say that some of the spots were kind of contrived. I believe with the ladder and, and um, you know maybe not as as, as smooth as uh, maybe the, the the other um, ladder match coming up, but overall it was a you know lots of high spots, lots of going back and forth, maybe a little bit too long I would say, but eventually uh, Daniel Bryan wins the uh, uh, gets the briefcase. Uh, Michael Cole, who is the uh, the lead commentator by this time, uh, is a heel or at least um you know, was definitely healing against Daniel Bryan because they had that feud going back to NXT when that first started. But uh, uh, Bryan wins that and um, goes on to a more prominent position within the company as as, as, as uh, time goes on. Yeah, this was a big matchup to get Daniel Bryan to take that next step. Uh, you know, he when he got fired after the incident with Nexus introducing him and then got brought back um, – yeah, you know, I think it was the SummerSlam right before the or previous like, yes. yeah, the the previous SummerSlam when he got brought back by John Cena uh, for that matchup. But um, you know, it, it, he was he he was one that the fans wanted to get behind, but they really weren't sure he was going to get that push. Getting the Money in the Bank was a huge step in that direction. And heel Michael Cole is 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 the worst 
I'm not a fan of that at yeah, all. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was not good. Yeah, it was not good. No. Not good for, for sure. Um, but the match itself was, was sure. It was good. Yeah, it was a good match. Well, well, well worth watching. Um, the next match is the uh, for the Divas Championship. We had Kelly Kelly, uh, who was the champion uh, against Brie Bella, and uh, Kelly Kelly was uh, accompanied by E. Torres. Uh, Brie Bella was accompanied by her twin sister, uh, Nikki, and um, Kelly Kelly retained the championship. Um, uh, pretty actually clean in the middle um, and fairly short match. Of course, this was well before the women's revolution, so we weren't expecting a, a five-star classic here. But um, but they both worked hard, and um, like I said, Kelly Kelly uh, retained the championship. Any any thoughts on this, Tom? As a, Kelly Kelly is the champion, so that kind of shows you the state of the Divas division at the time. So probably the less said about about this, the better. Yeah. So the next match is uh, Mark Henry versus The Big Show. Um, I uh, have always been a, uh, a mark, um, so to speak, for Mark Henry's music. I love loved his entrance. Um, and uh, this was the time where he was starting to do some really good work here, uh, I, I believe. And uh, they were trying to, to get some more out of him. Um, and, and they did. And, and I think he carried the ball and, and did a really good job um, with what he was given uh, during this time frame. So he beat The Big Show. Uh, and it was a strong win and a strong post-match angle where uh, Henry injures or keeps injuring uh, Big Show's leg. Uh, so they, they really put uh, Mark over strong here. Uh, again, uh, fairly short, but but uh, what they wanted to do was accomplished, I believe. One of the things I remember most about this match is the look on Big Show's face when Mark Henry uh, does the uh, does the chair stomp on, on his ankle. And it was, it was one of those where it looked like really, did did he really get hurt? It was like it was really like he yeah. was shocked that it had happened. So yeah, big, big Show is a uh, as a you know I mean I hate to call them actors, but he's a right. he's a extremely good actor when it comes to uh, when it in, in that realm. So right, um, um, he did a, a really good job with that for sure. Um, the next match is the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match, and this had also eight wrestlers: um, Alberto Del Rio. Kofi Kingston, Jack Swagger, Evan Bourne, R-Truth, Alex Riley, The Miz, and Rey Mysterio. And I like this uh, ladder match uh, better than the uh, the SmackDown one, not because of the star power per se, but I thought they did, did a, a much better job with using the ladders and incorporating that into the match. And, um, you know, I thought it was um, a little bit shorter probably too, but um, it was it was more entertaining to me. Uh, Alberto Del, Del Rio uh, gets the uh, briefcase um, before in storyline. Uh, he was the number one contender before uh, CM Punk was reinstated, so uh, he had to uh, win this to get that back, and which he did. Uh, he was only had been with the company for less than a year, uh, and um, they really were pushing him pretty hard at, at this time, but. Um, he wins the match, and uh, it was it was excellent, uh, well worth watching again. And uh, it's it's interesting to see the other people in this match and how they were used compared to how they are now, and 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 you know uh, what they're doing, um, what they were doing at that. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At that time uh, uh, period. Yeah, so I mean, you look at it, you know, you say, our truth and the money in the bank. Yeah, our truth at this point. Yeah. He and Miz, especially, were main event players. Uh, yes. I, I think the I think the Raw Money in the Bank match here was more of a showcase of current main event talent. I mean, you had a couple. You know, Kofi Kingston wasn't main event at this time. Alex Riley, those type of guys. Then the SmackDown SmackDown was kind of like kind of a building uh, matchup for some guys. Where the Raw one was a th- these are the stars of the company right now, uh, and giving. With all that happening, giving Del Rio the briefcase really kind of continued his pretty meteoric push coming right out of the gate for him. For sure. And, yeah, it was, um, again, well worth watching. And, and they did a, a really good job incorporating um, each person into the match and, and how they weaved um, into the storyline uh, as well. So so well, well worth the time. Um all right, so the next match is for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Randy Orton faces Christian here, and uh, Randy Orton is the um, the champion. However, Christian, um, uh, he the storyline is that he got his lawyer to get another match, one more match uh, with Randy after losing the championship a couple times previously. But the uh, stipulation for this match is that the title would change hands if there was a DQ. Uh, the first part of the match, you see that Christian brings a uh, chair into the ring, tries to have Randy use that chair to get DQ'd, so that's the story here. Uh, Randy does not do that. But then later in the match, uh, Christian uh, spits on Orton, and that leads Orton to lose it, uh, get disqualified, and he loses the, the championship here, and it goes to Christian, uh, and that's his um, second uh, uh, reign as as world heavyweight champion. A good match. They always had good chemistry between the two. Uh, I really liked it and and liked the the storyline element as well. I say, uh, Randy Orton and Christian always had great chemistry, and that's why the one more match uh, kind of running uh, storyline that they had that arc continued to go so well because they they put on good matches in the ring. Randy Orton's the type of guy where. Uh, you may you may not like him. You may he may not be the first one that comes to your mind when you think of your favorite wrestlers. But if you if you really study or you you see him in person, he's a guy that that really jumps out at you. And he's been a star from the beginning. And uh, he he had great chemistry with Christian. Christian uh, Christian probably needs somebody like Randy Orton to really be a legit main event player. And and this is what you got here. And uh, I, I'm a fan of this match as well because usually when you have the these stipulation matches. They end up not really happening. Like it would be normally if Christian had the the stipulation where we wanted to get Randy Orton disqualified, it Randy Orton would find a way to avoid it. But the fact that they actually went went through with it, it was a good way to get the title onto Christian without him beating Randy Orton, keeping Orton strong, and then Orton can chase Christian. Yeah, and, and Orton was motivated in his match, and you can tell um, by how he worked. And like you said, they they really. Uh, worked well together for sure, and further that that storyline. There was a um, uh, a beatdown after the match, and again that um, kept the the the, the feud going um, after that. Um, 
And now we are at the main event. Uh, so, again, this is CM Punk versus John Cena for the WWE Championship. Uh, John Cena is a champion here. Uh, CM Punk is um, is challenging uh, the storyline, of course, like we talked about the pipe bomb promo from uh, Punk a couple weeks back on Raw. Uh, he was, um, the, the storyline is that he, his contract was expiring. Uh, he said that he was not going to resign and he was taking the championship um, elsewhere after he wins it. And Vince uh, and Johnny Laurinaitis is trying to get him to resign, but uh, they point out that that's been unsuccessful. And so, uh, of course, um, you know the, the the match itself is is excellent. Uh, again, uh, John Cena gets a bad rap a lot of times for the, the, the five moves of doom and and uh, you know not. Uh, being giving to opponents, which really is further from the truth. And this is another example of that as um, they did a really good job with CM Punk. Um, they have, again, I mentioned, we mentioned earlier about chemistry. They had great chemistry in the ring. And of course the crowd brought this to another level as far as the, um, the, the heel, the face dynamic here. Uh, it was um, fantastic. It ended up with uh, CM Punk winning the match and, uh, and avoiding some shenanigans at the end and, and getting the championship and kind of getting that cliffhanger to what he's going to do with that championship uh, after the pay-per-view. So um, I, I thought it was um, a, a worthy minute then and, and excellent. Well, I 100% agree with you about John Cena. I think he, he gets a, a bad rap, but I, I think he's he's an outstanding wrestler. He You can – argue on whether or not he should have won matches and the the finish of matches but he hardly ever ever has a bad match that's one thing if someone's just you know running down john cena i'll say well name the bad match that he's had they'll they'll say about well he shouldn't have won well that that's not the question that's not what i'm saying who has he had bad matches with he always has good good matches regardless of the opponent and of course a guy like cm punk he's going to be able to have a great match with anybody too uh, so you had that combined with the crowd in Chicago. Uh, very few wrestlers are as synonymous with their hometown as CM Punk is with Chicago. And you know Chicago's going to have a great crowd anyway. So, I mean, that that was one of the things that really made this match even more memorable was the fact it was in Chicago, got that crowd going, and just the the, uh, the vision, the the picture of CM Punk blowing a kiss at Vince McMahon as he's taking the, the belt out through the crowd. Um, you know, whether... They brought him back too early afterwards and, you know, got that summer of punk going on afterwards. Might have been a little quick, but th- this particular moment in this particular match, this particular pay-per-view, outstanding. Yeah, it, was, it was outstanding, and it really brought people back to wrestling. Uh, a lot of people did, uh, that I know personally and, 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 and myself to an extent. It was, um, it was, uh, it was really well done, and, and um, now going forward, you can – you know, talk about what they did, but uh, good or bad. But but this event in itself was um, was well worth it. I, I would give it a I would give it an eight or a nine to be honest with you. I thought it was that good and and well worth the time to invest um, in watching it. Well, that wraps up our flashback portion of episode two here of the Getting Over podcast with myself, Tom Canterbury, and Paul Pedram. And now we move on to the current events portion of the wrestling social studies class that we have going on here. With the Getting Over podcast, we appreciate you listening on the iHeartRadio app. Um, my current event I'm bringing in is, uh, it, it looks as though, you're looking at what's going on on WWE Raw right now. 
Um, one, first of all, I would like to point out that I think during the COVID era of no fans and, and how they're having to deal with what they're dealing with, I think one of the MVPs of the entire WWF, or excuse me, WWE, we were talking about WWF a little while ago with the flashback, but uh, I think one of the, the main, the MVPs, no pun intended, has been MVP. Uh, it's been amazing. Did there. Yeah, I, yeah there, exactly. Uh, they pay me the big bucks for those type of segues. Um, the, uh, you know, MVP coming in, you know, he had the, the quick um, – entrance into the Royal Rumble this year. He gets put out by Brock quickly. Uh, he comes back and has the matchup with Rey Mysterio on Raw the next night. And then you kind of think he's over and done with. But then he comes back. He's doing MVP. He's doing the the uh, VIP lounge. Um, and now he's kind of morphed into this wrestler slash manager character with uh, Bobby Lashley and uh, everything that's going on. And in, in a in a time when it's hard to be a really good heel because you don't have that crowd response back at you, I think MVP's doing a great job and is really, you know, you got to have that veteran type of, of talent that he has bringing in. He's done a great job, and, and we're seeing now a possibility. We saw Ron Simmons on Raw this past week talking with him and Bobby Lashley. We've seen some overtones of, you know, the feud right now with Apollo Crews and the U.S. title. We've seen them talking with Ricochet, uh, Cedric Alexander, and uh, now Mustafa Ali coming back and having that uh, tag team match this past week. There's rumblings and thoughts that there might be a new version of the Nation of Domination going to be started up with MVP at the helm. And, uh, Paul, I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think this is a a possibility? Is this a good way for them to go considering uh, the climate of what's happening in the world right now? Yeah, I do. I, I think it depends on how they uh, portray them and, and uh, how they position them. But uh, I, in wrestling, you know, terminology, I, I always like a good stable. And so I think that has actually been lacking uh, recently. And, and I think that that would be a, a really good addition to what they're doing. Um, MVP uh, has been doing a great job. It, it's really interesting because you mentioned the, the, um, the, appearances and then the match with Mysterio and then coming back and really uh, at one point he was they toyed with um, doing some different things with him uh, they uh, had him maybe manage like some underneath tag team if you remember um, oh yeah uh, yeah I think it was like Shane, Shane Thorne and, and another uh, uh, guy as well yeah Vic, um, uh, Brendan Vink Vic, uh, maybe yeah. uh, and, and so they they toyed with that that didn't go anywhere, but then they moved into the thing with Lashley and Lana. And but yeah, he's done a fantastic job on the mic and like you said, a, a veteran presence um, inside the ring as well. Um, he he would be a, a great mouthpiece for that group. And uh, I think uh, they mentioned a, a name uh, last week. I think they called uh, them the the Hurt Business. The Hurt um, Business, yeah, and, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I like the idea for sure. Um, now again, execution is always hit and miss sometimes, but. Uh, but we'll see, you know, where it goes. And but I like the idea of it for sure. Here's here's my one trepidation about having this as a, a possibility. If if they do come together, um, again, considering the political climate of what's going on in the world right now, who would they feud with? Who would who would you like to who who would be able to be a foil for 
a, a possibility of of a possible like wing of the Black Lives Matter movement. It, it just it, it seems like it, it would be tough to find someone to feud against because like when you what when you saw what happened in the nineties with or the late nineties with the Nation of Domination, it was a militant uh, force that was would not have been popular outside of a very small segment of society. Now, I think it would be hard for them to be a, a true heel. Uh, I, I think they would they would almost have to be a face. And then if you're a face, Nation of Domination, who's going to be a heel against that? Yeah, and that's a good question. I mean, it's uh, it's very tricky to find that right, you know, uh, foil. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, nothing comes uh, to me off the top of my head as far as um, that fits that bill, but. Um, but like you mentioned, they are going to be viewed as baby faces, and and uh, so you know you're going to have to be careful when it comes to, to putting the right opponent with them. I mean, you know, uh, Seth Rollins might you know uh, you know make him fit in that role. I mean, I know yeah. he's doing different things right now, but um, with him being the the lead heel uh, on the show, um, of course, you know he might be involved in something, um, especially with his current gimmick as far as being the Messiah and you can maybe uh, do something with that. But um but yeah, that's it's gonna be interesting to see what they how they position him and and, and who they put against him. Would you think that eventually Apollo Cruz in, in this situation it's almost as though Apollo Cruz is kinda of in the Ahmed Johnson spot if they were to do a true nation of domination and eventually Ahmed jo- Johnson joined the nation of domination. Would Apollo Cruz be in that situation? You think uh, he fights against him, fights against him, and eventually, you know, if he can't beat him, join him? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the easy story to tell, um, and I, I think they've done a good job so far to explain or to point out that he doesn't want to join, and so you know, they're still going through that recruiting process, and I'm, and I'm glad that they're taking the time to to do that. It's not been a uh, you know a quick story, so they they built that over the past two or three months, and. Uh, I think that um, maybe a, a heel Apollo can give him a little bit more personality. You know, he's always been a, a great wrestler. Uh, his promos are are pretty earnest and and you know pretty um, you know uh, and they're kind of bland, I, I would say. But um, yeah. uh, but maybe getting him to to tap into that other side. Um, but again, you know, you mentioned with that group, they may not. They may not be like that. They may not be a, a heel faction. So, uh, but I think eventually um, that would be a good fit. Um, but I'm glad that they're taking their time and, and flushing that out and not rushing rushing to that. And one guy that I think would be a, a perfect fit uh, once once it gets to the point where he can come back would be Sami Zayn. I think Sami Zayn would be a perfect mouthpiece along with MVP for this group. Um, yeah, he he's. Uh, it's it's funny because his his roles in the past when he was with other companies um he he didn't speak and right and yeah. uh but then but now he's um he's become one of the best uh well he was one of the best wrestlers and now when he transitioned into more of a a managerial role he's he's been um really good at that before um you know before uh, taking an absence um in the past few months but he's uh he's definitely a um uh, a good person for that role. 
So that's my uh, current event, a possibility of the return of the Nation of Domination or Nation of Domination 2.0, the Hurt Business. We'll see if that continues on as we continue a watch on that on Raw. But I wanted to point out, especially during the COVID era, how much of a, a, a asset MVP has been to the entire uh, Monday Night Raw um, world out there. So uh, that is my current event. Paul, what is your current event here for Episode 2 of the Getting Over Podcast? So I just want to touch on the uh, cinematic matches that have been going on uh, during this this era, as you mentioned, the COVID era. Um, you know, during this time, they've taken uh, all companies have taken the opportunity to be a little bit more creative and and uh, and you know, kind of that that license to that creative license to, to see what's available to do um, besides just a standard match, which you know sometimes. Maybe a little bit bland with the, um, uh, you know, the no fans era. So, um, I want to talk about that. You know, uh, just a quick history. You know, these types of matches aren't. You know, it didn't start with uh, these matches. Um, you know, that happened at WrestleMania and the, the, the Stampede match with AEW. You know, they they've had these before in the past when it came to, um, you know, the the halftime heat match back in 1999 with Mankind and The Rock. You know, that was in a way, a cinematic match. And then, of course, the more you know, the most famous one probably is the one in 2016 when we had the, the final deletion with Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy uh, when they were in Impact. You know, that was uh, extremely well done and creative. But, but now you have the Boneyard match that happened at WrestleMania, which was uh, critically acclaimed. You have the, the Firefly Funhouse match, which was a little bit more uh, polarizing, I would say. And then you have other matches after that. Um, again, the, the Stadium Stampede match, um, uh, the Money in the Bank ladder match that uh, occurred at the corporate headquarters. Um, you have the, the recent Swamp Fight. Just want to uh, get an idea about um, what you thought of these matches, and and um, is it a good, good idea to, to go in that direction, or um, should should we kind of um, stray away from those and, and get back to? what you know wrestling fans have have been used to over the years well in general i like them i think i agree i think it's a this is an opportunity to think outside the box um yeah literally and figuratively um but you know you have i think it's important though to can continue to put out there that these are contests these are wrestling matches even though it's it's outside of the the normal squared circle that there is an actual winner and a loser i think that was the one thing that rubbed me the wrong way about the swamp fight was i don't know who won i don't know what 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 was the ending even in like ultimate deletion the firefly Funhouse match there was a three count there was a, a winner there was a loser of the match uh the you know the boneyard match which i think is probably the best out of all these that have happened uh, somebody got buried. We knew who won the match. We knew who lost the match. I don't. It, it, I don't like the ambiguous ending to the uh, swamp fight as much. I, I, the match itself, I was fine with. I know it was. You know, you had a snake biting somebody, and you had, uh, you know, Alexa Bliss or possibly Sister Abigail. I don't know who that was, but you know, th- there was a lot of stuff going on. But I said I didn't like the fact that we don't know who won the match. Uh, but other than that. I think this is a good. It's a good thing to do. You know, breaking up the uh, the you know breaking up just not being especially in a pay per view, three hours of match after match with no no real fans in the stands. 
I think it's a good good thing to kind of break up the the flow of everything, uh, a chance to kind of be creative. Uh, once we get back to having fans, uh, I think it should be a, a very once in a in a in a blue moon type of situation. But as in the era we're in right now, I have no problem with them at all. I, I think they're I think they're a good, um, like I said, a, a good breakup and a good uh, creative outlet and, and a different way to move. As long as it moves storylines along, I'm perfectly fine with it. And, what, and what's been your um, favorite one so far? Um, I say I probably the uh, I haven't been able to see all the way through the Stadium Stampede. I, I I do like the uh, just the one moment of Chris Jericho giving the Judas kiss to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars mascot. I thought that <laughs> that was a that great moment, but I I, I don't want to say one way or the other because I haven't seen that match all the way through. But as it stands right now, I think the Boneyard match was just so well done, uh, and, and you have somebody out, and that is how I know Undertaker saying he's rode off in the sunset, he's done. Uh, but that is if he's ever doing another match. That is how he should be showcased because um, it, it, he it, he never looked as strong as he did during that matchup. I, I agree, and I think that that should be his last match. I, I I think, and and you know, go out on a high note. That was a fantastic spectacle. Um, my favorite was um, the Stadium Stampede match. I think that was it was phenomenal. Uh, you need to watch the uh, the entirety of it because it was. It was fantastic, it, and again, it, it forward storylines as well. The finish to the match was spectacular. Um, I think that that's been the, actually the best one uh, so far during this this, this area. And I, I agree. I think that it's, if there's a winner and a loser, and it, it forward storylines, you know, you can have that um, as they say, Gaga in the middle. You know, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, take that creative license to to do what you want, but um, but then also. You know, give the give the fans a a reason to care about the finish and and what's going to happen after that. So I think that you know on, on end they've been you know really good for the most part. Um, but um, I, th- I think it um, should be used sparingly as we go forward when fans do return uh, to the arenas for sure. It certainly is right in the wheelhouse for Bray Wyatt and and everything that he does. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's 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 been a a godsend for him. Uh, to be able to do that, the Firefly Funhouse, which I actually really enjoyed, I I think yeah, part of I, yeah. I think a lot of, some people maybe not have liked it because they didn't get all the references. Um, but the if you yeah, were for if, those historians, you know, right, you know, we we get those things, and 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 <laughs> I think it was extremely well done for sure. And uh, now the you know it's hit or miss with him. I think the the House of Horrors match that they had a couple of years ago oh, with Randy Orton, yeah, uh, was not as good. No. Uh, although you know they they had one of those um, compound matches even before that with the New Day, which was which was very good. So it's been hit and miss with with Bray, but you're right, his character lends itself to that type of match. And and he again, he is a he is a good actor. Yeah. He um he he's uh may not be the best wrestler, and, and he's decent, but uh but he has those acting chops, and I think that um you know uh, that type of match. Uh, like you said, um, is in his wheelhouse for sure. And that's something we're going to be seeing. I'm I'm sure moving forward. I'm I don't I will like like to see how the SummerSlam match goes between uh, the Fiend and uh, and Braun Strowman, who I assume is still alive. Again, we don't really know, but I we hope, hope so. Yeah, yeah, I certainly hope so. Uh, but um, 
if that's going to be a standard match or if that's going to be another sim- cin- cinematic uh, matchup. But uh, I-, I assume we'll see some more of those moving forward. We've even seen Impact do some of them. Um, but I-, I-, I think we both are in agreement that once once we get back to fans in the stands and uh, that they should they should not be as prevalent as they are now. But I have no problem with them as they go uh, currently. But uh, that is uh, that is Paul's current event, and that's going to wrap up episode two here of the Getting Over podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening with us here on the iHeartRadio app, and we'll be coming along with episode three very soon. And episode three, again, we'll continue on this uh, this format with the flashback and the current event. And uh, I know Paul's still kind of going back and forth on what his uh, flashback for episode three is going to be, but I believe for my flashback, we're going to go back to 1995 and a uh, show on ECW, and this was before they had pay-per-views. This is when they were still doing VHS super shows, and the show called Enter Sandman from ECW, 1995, a very interesting show uh, that is on the on the um, on the network. And uh, again, if you go, if you're on the network, go to the ECW uh, section, and they have super shows in addition to the pay-per-views. Check out some of those super super shows because those will be uh, some of their maybe not as famous events and uh, moments, but there's some interesting stuff there uh, from the mid-90s of ECW, and we'll take a look at that, Paul. Yeah, I think I might go into the WCW archives and, and look for something there. Uh, you know, we t- you mentioned it, ECW has already done WWF or E, and so I, I think we might touch on some WCW and uh, – that's a treasure sure trove of stuff there. The, uh, the, the good route or the bad route, but, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll uh, have something entertaining nonetheless for sure. So that's coming up on our next episode of Getting Over. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you then here on the iHeartRadio app. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.